0: Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women thriving in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female carpenter as she interviews women around the country about the incredible variety of careers and financial opportunities for women in construction and the skilled trades. And now, your host, Camille Finan.
1: Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have an incredible woman here, uh, Helena Khoury, who is a, um, you know, works in a movie studio by day, but is a phenomenal children's book author and has written several books that have just caught my heart, caught my attention. Um, So, Helena, thank you so much for being on today with us.
0: It's my pleasure, Camille. So happy to chat with you.
1: Yeah, I originally heard you on, on NPR uh, I mm-hmm. love that show, um, and you just—it was such a fascinating interview about your background and sort of how you, um, you know, have are becoming a really well-known children's book author. And your subject matter is really unusual, which I really love. And on this show, we're all about supporting women doing non-traditional things, or you know, kind of following your heart. And um, so, mm-hmm. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about uh, your latest book, *Paper Kingdom*, and how you got the concept for this. I know it, but the listeners don't know it. So could you kind of share the genesis of this lovely, very imaginative story of your family?
0: Sure, I'd be happy to. So the paper kingdom is based on my childhood when my parents worked as night janitors. So at the time, I was an only child, my younger her brother had yet to be born. So I was about three or four years old, and they could not afford a babysitter. So on most evenings, I went to work with them. They used to clean a law firm uh, near, um, I would say, somewhere between Beverly Hills and downtown Los Angeles on Wilshire Boulevard. So they took me to work with them. And, you know, you can imagine a cranky, tired child being, you know, being miserable. But instead, they actually, actually um, made the experience magical for me because they wanted me to be entertained and really uh, encouraged me to use my imagination about that time. And so the paper kingdom is really trying to capture that sense of wonder that my parents instilled in me during those long late nights. And um, the, the, Book was really inspired, you know, by one moment. I think I was driving along Wilshire Boulevard late one night, and suddenly, I got the idea for a children's book based on my personal history of that time specifically. So that's how it all happened,
1: yeah, and it's lovely. It's beautifully illustrated. Um, Pascal Campion did just a gorgeous job of, you know, just really bringing it to life. It's got these dramatic, yeah. like illustrations of, you know, what you would normally think would just be menial labor, right? And I've got my own personal Mm -hmm. history about being a janitor that I'll share in a moment. But normally people sort of, you know, would look down on people like that, right? And yet you Mm -hmm. guys have managed to really elevate this concept of really, no matter where you are, no matter what your job is, it can be creative, it can be imaginative, it's a step to something else, right? And yeah. um, I just think you guys did a really beautiful job of elevating what could be a very difficult time. <laughs> um, what did your yes, parents think you. of this when they read it?
0: Oh, wow. So when I first told them that our story was going to become a book published by Penguin Random House, which is the largest publisher in the world, they were so amazed. They couldn't believe it. And we were sitting in a restaurant when I told my parents, and it was the first time I saw my dad weep. Yeah, And I think it's because... You know, all that struggle, that hard time in our lives, he just, it's just amazing to him that it's going to become, that it became a work of art, really. Yeah. And um, you bring up a really good point about Pascal's illustrations. He makes these kind of majestic illustrations about Mm -hmm. night janitors, and that was my whole point about writing the story. I wanted to cast a spotlight on people who are normally invisible in our society. So um, Pascal did a wonderful job of making the um, the nighttime work environment seem like an amazing secret world, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. yeah it
1: was it was literally kind of like a magical kingdom um I have you know many friends that we have a lot of a lot of parents that listen to the show and I have many friends and that have children and I bought several books uh, you know several copies of this and gave it to them and you know they're like, what's it Thank about you. and I'm like, well, it's about janitors, but it's not it's like a magical kingdom and the paper and just the way that you uh, it just it almost made you want to be a janitor which is incredible right <laughs> yeah when you think about yeah. it yeah
0: you know actually, actually that's interesting you say that because i've had parents reach out to me to say that um they they've read this story to their kids and one little girl turned to her mother and said mom can you become a night janitor because i want to have that kind of experience yeah. too the experience of the the main character daniel in the story
1: Yeah, I just thought that was really charming. It was really, really well done and really unique. And, um, you know, on this show, we're all about promoting people that typically you wouldn't, you know, we're in construction and the skilled trades. And a lot of people look down on those people. And Mm -hmm. and uh, this is, you know, a a really good example of how you just never really know someone's potential. And and I just I can only imagine your dad's pride and what you brought to life all these years later. Um, Now, I do know that you recently had a big celebration. You sold, um, the world rights to Rosa's story. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about that process?
0: Yes. So Rosa's song, um, actually sold again to penguin random house and they matched Pascal again to illustrate the story. And, um, that one, that book is also loosely based on my childhood. It's, it's a story about, um, uh, an apartment complex, in LA, where uh, there are a lot of newly um, immigrated families who live there, and there's a there's a special friendship that develops between a Peruvian girl and a Korean boy, and so it's about that special. and And the Korean boy doesn't speak fluent English, and so it's about the special friendship that develops between two kids from completely different backgrounds and how they. Um, make that apartment complex into an imaginary wonderland i love i love books that kind of make kids use their imaginations so both the paper kingdom and Rosa's song really focus on the power of imagination yeah. so um yeah i'm excited for that one that one comes out rose's song comes out in 2022.
1: Mm-hmm. um so i was just sort of like a logistical thing can you kind of explain why it takes so long from now right to 2022. to to make that book, sort of what's the process that goes into that? Sure.
0: So once I sell my manuscript to the publisher, we go through rounds of editing, so lots of revisions. And while that's happening on my end, the publisher reaches out to the illustrator to see if A, he's available, and B, if he's interested. And Pascal jumped on right away. And then he gets a year to do his process, his illustration Process The back and forth, showing the sketches to the publishing company, the art director there, making adjustments, um, making color corrections, that sort of thing. So that process takes another year. And then the entire production process takes months and months. Production Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, um, layout of the the book. Everything from creating the the title page to the cover to printing everything. So it's a a very long process. Picture books in particular take a really long time, and they're very expensive to manufacture. I think novels are a different story. I think novels can be um, published within a year after the manuscript sale. But picture Hmm. books normally take about two years. Yeah, Yeah. two or three years.
1: That's a long time to wait. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: But time flies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So when yeah. do you get to look at the copy so that you can kind of see the copy with the illustration as the author? Mm-hmm. When do you sort of get to go, yeah, I think this nails it? Or are you sort of at this point, I mean, he's really done a beautiful job. But I mean, do you mm-hmm. ever like are you ever nervous about that, about it not matching or being kind of what you envision?
0: Oh, oh sure. There's always, um, you know, because I I sort of relinquish control at this point because my, my input is the text and then the artist's input is 50% with the illustration. So there's always a little bit of nervousness about how the visuals will turn out. And so, because, you know, the, my concern is, will the voice of the illustrations match the voice of the story, the tone, the feeling. Yeah. And um, Pascal, Pascal did a great job. And so I, I feel like I'm in good hands. Yeah. So I don't have to worry so much. Um And, at what phase do I get to see? Well, um, I get to see the sketches, the initial sketches when they come in, just to get a sense of where Pascal is going. And then um, I get to see every once in a while, say a, a draft of the cover or a draft of a color uh, of a colored image. And then probably about several months before the book is actually produced. They send me the whole thing before it's finalized. And then I get to flip through and see every page that is magically done in color and all my characters come to life. And that oh, wow. is probably <laughs> one of the most magical moments for me as a picture mm-hmm. book writer to see the characters just living and breathing on the page. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. That's like birthing a child almost like, yeah, there's a yeah, lot exactly. of emotion that goes into that. And then you're just so you're so hoping it all works out. Right. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's, and then you send it off into the world, right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Now, I assume you're editor and you have people that are sort of, you know, helping you to make sure that it is doing it, you know, doing it justice, right? I'm sure you're not. Yes. You know, if it just wasn't meeting the mark, you could say something, I'm sure.
0: Exactly. And um, there's a whole team working on the book at this point, And so... You know, there's everyone from the editor to the art director to the publicity and marketing people. And yes, they're, they've been great. I mean, I've heard of authors who've been, say, a little, little disappointed by the lack of communication that they get. But I've only had good experiences so far with publishing my books. It's been a lot of great communication. They want input from me. And um, I've been very fortunate in that regard.
1: That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um, and so let, you have another one called Turtleship. Can you tell us a little bit about that book as well?
0: Sure. The Turtleship was actually my debut picture book, and it was published in 2018, I believe. And it's loosely based on Korean history um, because back in the 15th century, there was something called the Turtleship. It's actually a real thing. And it was a, a large battleship shaped like a turtle. And so um, nobody knows the origins of the turtle ship, who designed it, how it came about. And so my story is about how a little boy has a pet turtle, and that pet turtle is the inspiration for the building of the turtle ship. And um, that story is about dreaming big. And what's really cool about that, that book is that it's um, illustrated by an artist in New York named Colleen Kong Savage. And she did the entire book in paper collage, meaning she bought paper, reams of paper from around the world. And then she cut tiny little pieces to make the trees and the hair on the people and the outfits that they wore. And so it's, It's so beautiful. It's so meticulously done. She actually told me that she had to sometimes use a magnifying glass to cut, to help her cut the the tiniest little pieces. So it's really cool.
1: Wow. Okay. I'll have to get that one. (laughs) <laughs> that'll be my Thank next you. uh i just had two two girlfriends have babies and so that'll be my next uh i'll buy them the trilogy well i'll buy them both and then uh mm-hmm. hopefully by the kids are old enough to read we'll do the uh roses song but um uh, yeah. that's incredible <laughs> i you. didn't even yeah I, I haven't seen it in person so i didn't realize the illustrations were that elaborate but i love i love that that's really awesome yeah it's really cool cool Cool. So let's let's change gears just a little bit. And I'd love to sort of hear your inspiration around. uh, You wrote an article for salon.com called Too Bad Mm -hmm. You Were Born A Girl. Would you mind Mm -hmm. um, sharing a little bit of the genesis of that and sort of, um, you know, just your feelings around that article?
0: Yeah, sure. So the piece was uh, inspired by my parents. And the fact that, you know, they, they immigrated here to the U S from South Korea. And at the time that they immigrated um, South Korea was still very much a male dominated patriarchal society. So when I was born there um, and they immigrated here, I was about between one and two years old. So I was a baby and they, whenever I asked them, why did you immigrate to the U S they would always tell me it was for you, it was for your future. And that just didn't make sense to me because we came here. And like I told, like I said, they struggled for a while. They were night janitors. And so it didn't make sense to me. Why would you travel that far to come here and struggle? And so it took me years to realize that, um, that indeed um, my opportunities here in the U.S. have been far greater than I think they ever would have been in the in South Korea. Because I went back right after college to live there for a year and kind of learn about the culture and society. Um, and I realized that there are, I mean, things might be different today, but back then, I think it was like um, the late 90s when I lived there for a year, it was still very patriarchal and very male-dominated. There were limitations to what women could do, and there was a very straight and narrow path expected of women. You you, um, you maybe get a job for a little while, but then you you become a housewife, and very often you're expected to... to Um, be uh, I don't want to say servant but be uh, helpful all the time to your Mm in-laws and that was the role my mom actually played while she lived in South Korea Um, she lived with her in-laws and she was doing all the cooking and cleaning and that sort of thing and so they didn't want that path for me they wanted To open up my destiny, basically. And so um, they immigrated to the US, and it did take me a long time to realize that what they came for was actually true because my having witnessed them work so hard as night janitors and at various other jobs, um, it propelled me to work hard myself. I ended up going to Yale for college and then to law school, and then I became a lawyer. And that journey, that path, I'm not quite sure if I could have managed that in yeah. the the narrow society. Yeah, that, <laughs> that does seem impossible. In, yeah, yeah. So how so, did you... A, a woman... Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say that a woman with ambition and with, um, you know, the, the ability... Um, I I met so many of those types of women in South Korea, and I remember one friendship that I had with a woman who was a teacher in South Korea, and she would kind of say wistfully to me over meals, Mm. your future is so dynamic, you have so much uh, potential in front of you, whereas my life is going to be the same years from now. And, um, that really kind of broke my heart because here was this very intelligent, ambitious, yeah. um, she even wanted to be a writer too, very ambitious, very capable woman. And she saw her society already limiting her, yeah. um, in a way that, um, kind of broke my heart really.
1: Yeah. I think we definitely take for granted here, even though, I mean, me becoming a contractor and running a business. Yeah. It was hard as a woman, as a small <laughs> white yeah. woman, but I still no one actually stopped me. Like there was literally right. nothing stopping me except myself, right? Mm-hmm. My own belief in myself. Mm-hmm. And I think we really take that for granted here that um as hard as it may be here, it's nothing like other countries where it's just yeah. not done. There's no vehicle to do it. So there's no vehicle. Yeah, yeah. and
0: it's it, things are just stacked up against you in other places. And it it, it really took living abroad for me to come back and realize with even with all its flaws, this country is amazing. Yeah. I am so grateful to the U.S. This f- fabric of multicultures that we live in, and just the dynamism of our country—it's just mm-hmm. incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. The tr- the real opportunities here. When people say that, it yeah, sounds like a tagline, but no, it's it's real. Unless you don't have that, <laughs> so yeah, um, it's so true. So, how did you get from being a lawyer to working in a movie studio? Then, because that <laughs> that's a journey. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is a journey. I first started off at a law firm and then realized, okay, this isn't really for me. And then I moved back home to L.A. and I became an in-house lawyer at a movie studio at Paramount Pictures, actually. Yeah. And then I migrated over to the business side. And so now I'm at Sony Pictures.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, it's, you know, right now we're, we're all sheltering at home. But um, when when work is up and running and we're all on the studio lot, it's it's a really cool place.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. So you're still a lawyer, but well, you're, so you're sort of doing like business for them though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a department called business affairs. Okay. So it's not quite a lawyer, but I still negotiate deals and I review contracts Contracts. and that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: So that's, I was just going to say, I can't see you. You seem so creative and imaginative. (laughs) I can't see you doing like regular lawyer stuff. Like I just have to say, yeah. Yeah,
0: I know. I know. And the reason I became a lawyer is really because I wanted to help my parents. I wanted to have that financial stability and that financial capability to send them on vacations that they deserve to go on and, um, you know, help chip in on their mortgage payments and that sort of thing, you know, and, and I already knew at a young age that being a writer was a very precarious path. You know, you never know when when your deal, your next deal is going to come in. You don't know how your book sales are going to be. So I knew that being a full-time writer was going to be pretty difficult to pull off. Um, so that's why, that's why I became a lawyer, but I was constantly writing on, on the I evenings was, and the weekends. Yeah, I
1: was going to ask in the background, like when did you, what was sort of the impetus for wanting to become a writer? And so basically you always were a writer at heart. Mm-hmm. In the, and, yep. and so this is just the vehicle to get it out there.
0: Yes, exactly. I was a writer always a writer who became a lawyer just to pay the bills pretty That's much awesome. yeah
1: yeah well i can't wait for a novel so i'm i'm hoping you're not just going to be a children's book author do you have any aspirations for that because i could really see uh your perspective on certain issues i think would be very interesting in a novel any oh, interest thank in that you.
0: I do have interest in that. I, I mean, um, I would love to get a novel published someday. the The challenge for me is just time, yeah. Um, because a novel is, you know, so long, and you have to be so immersed in it, mm-hmm. in the world that you're creating. So, so um, one of these days, I, I hope to tackle a longer piece of fiction.
1: Yeah. Well, and I was even thinking of, I mean, for me, like the Paper Kingdom. I, I'm sure you're trying to sell, or you will sell at some point, the film rights to this because. That is a Disney movie in the making. Uh, <laughs> like that is a perfect. I love the way you think. That is yeah. a perfect Disney movie. I can already still see, see those illustrations on, like, in a movie screen myself. Yeah, but.
0: I've I've had people tell me that because you know I think the fantasy world with the dragon, yes, and the king and queen, it could be really cool And the to reams of it.
1: paper and just like yes. You know, yes, it's such an interesting dynamic compared to the. You know all the normal Disney stuff. It's just so unusual, and um, I think it's great. Um, So okay, so you live in Los Angeles, and um, what's sort of been? We'll make it sort of personal. It's been a you know really Mm -hmm. tough summer, really tough kind Mm -hmm. of year actually. Really tough. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like and you know what's sort of been? What's been your experience going on with uh, Black Lives Matter and being Korean and? just there's so much turmoil especially in L. There's just so much turmoil in general. But in LA it's yeah. a really unique perspective. Do you kind of mind sharing just sort of, you know, how you're taking it in, um what you've seen, what you, you know, what how you're processing it or or just your perspective mm-hmm. on it?
0: Sure. Um so I I grew up in LA, so I was around I was in high school, I believe when the, when the LA riots erupted. And so when, um, black lives matter came up, it really kind of triggered memories of that time for me. And I have a mixed race family, actually. Um, I have several cousins who are half black and half Korean. I have several uncles who are black. And so it really, it really hit hard. Um, it, I I was, I was crying and kind of shaken for a while. And um, it, it kind of, I'm sure a lot of people had this experience, but um, when you heard about the incident with George Floyd, it, you were so st- stunned that I was kind of paralyzed for a while. I couldn't really f- focus, had a hard time eating, sleeping, just feeling a little um, insecure and maybe even a little unsafe because, you know, you you feel like... Um, what's going to happen next? And (laughs) what is this world? What is, what is happening in this world? You know? So, um, it, it was really a a terrible time and there was some rioting going on here in LA and, um, protesting, which I totally support. Um, I just hope that good change comes out of this because I feel like we've gone through this before with Rodney King. Mm. We've gone through this before with other people who've, um, suffered in the same way and so i'm i'm pretty tired of it quite frankly i i want us as a society to move on from that level of racism and um just violence i just want us to move on
1: yeah yeah it's been a it's been a really tough summer <laughs> so, yeah it's been so hard yeah well i appreciate sort of your your expression of that and and i can only imagine inside your own family right there's just so many conversations mm-hmm. i'm sure about it And, um, and, uh, yeah, I just, the only good thing for me is that way more people are talking about it than Mm -hmm. not before. And, um, it's really present on a lot of people's minds. And so I'm very hopeful about that creating change. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know I've made a lot of personal change and so my family has lots of conversations we never had before. So Mm -hmm. I, for me, I feel like there's a ripple effect of that happening all over the country. And that's sort of what I, that's what I hold on to, right? That that's real change right there. So, definitely. Um, well, good. Well, I sure appreciate you taking a little bit of your morning to, um, share your creativity with us and listeners, please go out and get these lovely, lovely children's books. And, uh, again, that's the paper kingdom, the turtle ship and roses song, which we can look for in two years. And, Mm -hmm. um, and just thank you so much for kind of what you're doing to uplift a lot of these people that normally you wouldn't normally see, right? Right. Thank you so much, Camille. I really enjoyed our conversation and hello to all
0: your listeners.